the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money. Well, right now I'm with Guy Waitley from Velocity Creative. Guy, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, pleasure, Paul. Now, keen to hear a little bit uh, about how you got involved in the, the branding, advertising, design uh, field. You're somebody that's uh, that's been involved in the industry probably uh, more than most. And As a show? Uh, no. <laughs> Good on you. Um, but yeah, I'm keen to sort of hear hear the story of, of how you got from I guess starting out in the UK through to you know where you are now, uh, leading Velocity Creative, a, a design and branding firm here in Auckland in the creative hub of Parnell, as they like to call it. Absolutely, um, yes. yeah, yeah. Tell us a little a little bit about that journey. Well, and in, in, in putting 30 years into a into a couple of minutes without <laughs> boring everybody, um, I think. It's, uh, People like me started out as a junior account executive. I started back in the early 80s in Knightsbridge in London um, with an agency called Benton and Bowles in those days. And it used to be that about 1,500 applicants were tried to get through on the whole graduate milk round. And I was one of those guys fortunate enough to get a get a leg into the industry that everyone wanted to join. So, um, And through sort of 12 years, 13 years or so of, of advertising agency, Work through as account executive, account manager, account supervisor, account director. Um, the opportunity came to move from London and, and go and work in Southeast Asia. I think it was probably at the time of the of the eighty seven crash, early nineties. People were talking about green shoots in those days that tended to sort of sprout and then wither at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we thought, hey, well, I wonder what it's like working over, overseas. And um, how you know you looked over the wall that was London and you realised there was an internet, there was an overseas, and there were other things happening. It wasn't all just about London. Um, so that saw me uh, join, uh, move from uh, uh, agencies I was in London, Young and Rubicum, and then Leah Burnett. So I left Leah Burnett and went and joined Grey in Indonesia, of all places. So I exchanged what was quite a smooth office in Covent Garden uh, with Leah Burnett for um, for an office in Jakarta, and I could hear I could hear goats and chickens outside in the market. And I thought, my God, this is an extraordinary experience. But it was a, it was a fascinating experience, understanding a completely different culture, how communication and brands need to work in a different culture, the way that people did it in London wasn't ne- wasn't wasn't necessarily the right way for there for there because it's a different audience. Um, and from anyway, from Indonesian Jakarta, I moved with Grey uh, Advertising to Thailand, Bangkok, uh, and lived there for a couple of years and also looked after uh, their uh, representative office in Vietnam. Uh, and then Saatchi and Saatchi came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, quite like you, to uh, look after their Kuala Lumpur office. So it was great. Now I was going to be running... Sarchi and Sarchi office in Malaysia. Wow, mm. fantastic. Um, and, uh, and just about that time, uh, uh, th- uh, I think it was Thailand decided to float the Bart, and Southeast yes. Asia went down the plug hole. Right. Um, and, and, and fat cats like me, <laughs> me um, were, were, were sitting, on a, uh, sitting on an agency that had some, had some issues at the time. Mm. And mm. Uh, uh, I Kevin Roberts was the new worldwide CEO, and he That's was right. doing a great job to sort of rack up the brand and rack up a sense of pride and swagger in Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, so it was a good time. Unfortunately, it was the Southeast Asian crisis, and uh, long shot of it, the upshot of that is that we uh, decided to roll the the KL business into the Singapore and create a joint operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, that saw me coming down to New Zealand, which I had really no thought, idea that I would actually be end up here. <laughs> um, but it was an exciting opportunity. I said, I said well, 
uh, quite well, that's, um, Australia or New Zealand sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Isn't New Zealand quite cool? And I remember flying in to, uh, to meet with Saatchi in Wellington. Um, and I was on a plane, and I was coming into Wellington Airport the very first time, and I, and the plane was jumping around all over the place, and and, uh, and I remember it bucketing around, and there was a green, a green foaming sea, and, and then I saw the the hillsides of Wellington appear, and I thought, oh look, there's a pink house, oh there's a blue one, oh there's a green one, and it was, oh, was multi colours, and um, and it was the, before the um, before the new airport, so it was like a, an aircraft hangar, sort of an airport, and I got to. Um, to immigration, never been to New Zealand in my life. I said, good eye, how do you like New Zealand? I, well, I don't really know. I mean, just, <laughs> just so anyway, that, that's so long the short of that is it's, that saw us coming to New Zealand and joining Saatchi uh, there in Wellington. Um, and I guess you kind of get to a, kind of get to a stage in life in your career when you think um, you might have been around the, I mean, advertising was a, uh, I, I loved every, every year I had in advertising and experiences I had and the people I met but there was something else that uh, I, I still had to do, and, and I guess that's called owning your own, owning your own destiny. Mm. Um, so, uh, and also moving north from Wellington to Auckland, um, there's an opportunity to get into design. Uh, so that, so the design industry, which is still about brands, um, it's just a different, uh, a different sort of discipline, uh, creative discipline. Uh, as far as brands are concerned. And uh, after a few years in, in the design industry, I found myself really as a, a part owner in uh, Velocity Creative, um, which is a brand identity uh, and a brand storytelling design business, um, mainly sort of in the area of corporate communication, business mm. to business uh, as well. Uh, and just last year, after a number of years with Velocity, there was a sort of a, an ownership reshuffle, and um, and now you know now I wake up with all, all the headaches, as opposed to just half the headache, um, <laughs> so, and, and all the excitement too. So, yeah, so well, with that with that with that background, um, you must find that plays in well to what what you do now, having uh, I guess seen so many different uh, you know angles within uh, within the creative world, and. Uh, yeah, that that time in Asia, um, I guess. How how did did that sort of leave you with any sort of uh, you know impacting sort of thoughts that you bring to what you do now? Because it, it must have been a lot about uh, you know helping people really establish their brands. Because often the brands wouldn't be so well known in uh, in, the, in those markets, uh, you know, like uh, uh, you know Thailand and, and Malaysia and so on. I think the um, I think for me the main thing coming from london into into southeast asia and spending time there um that there are there are there are different ways of doing things they weren't you you might look at it initially and say oh that's wrong that's not how it should be done but you very quickly learn that if it's a different culture a different audience what is right for that audience is the right way to communicate it's ultimately it's, it's communicating if you communicate in your own language that you've grown up with all the time, and I mean by that, I mean it by language in the very broadest sense of all the gestures mm-hmm. um, and agendas that go with that, uh, and you blindly keep ad- adhering to that, then you're going to miss out on a, on a plethora of different audiences because they're different. So, uh, and then you're not really looking at it from the point of view of your audience. You need to understand the audience, understand how they interact and the relationship they have with with the media with advertising, with any form of communication, with brands. Once you understand that, then you can marshal your own conversation to fit them because ultimately they will decide whether they want to listen and act on what you say. And it often comes down to 
what you say and a whole bucket load of how you said it. And I think that's true whether we're in a Western country or whether we're in, in a developing Asian uh, country. Okay. So there are brands that uh, that we all love, some which we don't like quite so much. Uh, how do you define what a brand is? Can it be defined? Uh, I touched. On, I was speaking to someone earlier today, actually, about that, and I guess you know somebody. There's lots of there's going to be lots of definitions, and and we can flip open sort of marketing textbooks and 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 read read someone's definition. You think, yep, that pretty much captures every kind of angle that a commercial operation might want to describe. You know what a brand is. Um, I quite like to I quite like to go back to. Um, there was a figurehead in our industry in, my, in, in London many years ago, um, a chap by the name of Jeremy Bullmore, uh, who was the uh, who headed up J. Walter Thompson in London, a, a, a very fine worldwide ad agency. And I read a paper of his ooh, a number of years ago. He wrote a paper called Persil and Posh Spice, and it was a it was a talk that he gave to the brand uh, brand builders group or something brand mm. building group in London. And in there, he, and I loved his, his description, he said, uh, a brand is anything that anybody is prepared to think and feel anything about. Uh, and I think that goes to the heart of brand. That makes people, that makes us, we're all brands. Mm. And let's face it, with brands, we ascribe uh, human traits and characteristics to products sure. to talk about how, how that brand might behave. And that's... That's so different from that one over there, and it's how we choose our friends, and it's how we might choose our choose our brand. So that, for me, a description: anything that anybody is prepared to think, any think and feel anything about, um, and how we uh, how we appropriate all those perceptions and those associations and those experiences. He went on to describe it as how a bird might build a nest. Lots of little twigs, little bits and pieces, little bits of, ex- uh, uh, of things that come together to create an overall shape. Um, and we're just the same. All our experiences are unique uh, and very different from other people's experiences. Um, but we put them all together, and that makes us think and feel something about something else or some person. And then with that, we are able to place that and position that somewhere in our hearts and in our heads and in our minds that is uh, unique. Either it's something we detest, <laughs> or it's something we love, or it's something uh, somewhere in the middle. But we will think and feel something about that. So thinking and feeling is, uh, is great. Yeah, that's a, that's a great description. If you can make money out of that, then that, that's where that's where the marketing <laughs> textbook might come in and say yes, but at a profit. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's that's squarely part of it, and I guess that's why uh, so many brands yeah struggle because uh, in their efforts to make a profit, they end up. Uh, doing and saying things that uh, don't reflect back on their brand in, in such a positive way, which is is the challenge, I guess, for any any organisation. Mm. Now, if I would ask you your favourite personal brands, any particular ones that that stand out that you you like yourself? Oh, it's it's it's, it's I should be able, shouldn't I? I'm a, a brand guy, so I should be able to rattle off a whole heap of them. But I guess. Um, my, if my daily experience is of my car, <laughs> it never lets me down. So, yep, I quite like my V-Dub. It works just fine. Thank you very much. And we have a relationship, and it, it, it's, it's pretty reliable. Um, Apple, I, I, uh, I like that experience. I like what Apple 
means to me. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a gorgeous brand that um, I guess recognizes that. Yes, I know you want to feel something about this product, so um, uh, we we talk to that. So feeling something, and so it's irrational. Mm. It's irrational uh, a lot of it, but um, so Apple, I think, is a is a, an example of a brand that's obviously got a history. It's got a story. It's got a cultural fit, a bit like Nike did, and Adidas did so that mm, as well. Mm, it becomes mm, bigger yeah. than the, the the product itself. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So my old broken down V. No, it's not broken down. That's the point. And my old my old V dub that keeps on going. She's great. Yeah. Um. And uh, and Apple is a good is an exciting brand as well. Yeah. Good. So good. it can continue to be exciting. Excellent. So I guess looking looking at uh, some of the brands you've just mentioned, Apple, V Dub, there, there there must be others. Uh, it seems some brands go through a, a bit of a reinvention. Uh, some more successful than others. Are there, are there any you know stories in those regards that have sort of stood out to you as being uh, you know good successes? Well, we were just talking about. V-Dub, weren't we, just a second ago, um, my old V-Dub. I, I, I don't actually have a Beetle, but I guess I would point to uh, the Beetle um, and bringing that back uh, as a sort of a modern-day representation of a, a particular culture and a whole bunch of associations for, of an era. Um, a bit like a great piece of music, you know, a Hendrix piece of music. It never dies. It, it, it might have left, but when it comes back, um, it's just it's as still as strong as ever. But interestingly... It's how they brought it back. They didn't bring it back just as the same. It was the same, but different. Different for a new generation. Different for a new uh, for a new uh, century, and different because technology has moved on. So, um, just as it was probably uh, at the time um, a, a, a great car to have, given the technology available, so it still is. And but it's obviously a higher higher spec model than it, it would ever have been. I think. I think that. Um, that kind of cultural spirit that Beetle represented never never really went away. The, mm. the embodiment of it might have disappeared off the off st- exit stage left for a while, but in comes stage right, and it's the same, but it's different. And I think the Mini is another one, isn't it? It mm. seems to be a little clutch of these um, small cars that represent freedom, uh, youth, spirit, energy, vitality, um, and are willing to give the boundaries a bit of a nudge. A bit of spunk and personality, and I think the Mini captured that for a, at the same sort of time. Mm, so mm. the it's the British and the Germans again, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I saw a Fiat driving uh, driving past earlier that the Italians uh, came in third. That, that looked like go well. looked like a, another go at the Fiat Bambina. That's right. Um, that's right. And so, Indeed. yeah, it's 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 interesting to but see. It, but your conversation about brands that have uh, reinvented themselves. I mean, those are two, those are a few big sto- couple of big mm, stories since mm, we're talking about mm, cars, but mm. but branding. Um, Brands often have to reinvent themselves. Companies have to reinvent themselves. Nothing sits still in isolation. BP had to reinvent itself. Uh, uh, society's values shifted through the 80s and the 90s as we became more environmentally sensitive. A big oil company with a shield saying BP, with a big puffed out chest saying, we lead the world in, 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 in digging over ground and finding and, uh, seabeds to find oil, um, wasn't really, uh, it was grating against a lot of people's sensibilities. So it had to, had to reinvent itself and, and tune itself into a more environmental brand statement. Um, and, and pop stars, I mean, how many times has Madonna reinvented herself? So you don't wait until... Uh, 
the dust gathers until things start to tarnish. You have to constantly keep in step with the world. And in many respects, some brands are constantly reinventing. It's because they do it frequently that we don't see it as a reinvention. All we see is it's always relevant, always distinctive, always fresh, keeps renewing the relationship. Well, maybe that's a form of reinvention, but it's on a smaller scale such that we hardly notice. And that's the important thing about branding. It has to stay relevant all the time. Mm, we can't mm. just say, oh, tick the box, job done. That's like launching a ship with no one on it. You've got to manage these things. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, I guess looking looking uh, locally, telecom is a story at the moment that are going through uh, that yeah. process, aren't they? With changing, they're, they're keeping essentially their same uh, uh, core sort of logo, with what they call the Spark, uh, mm. but they're going to change it from you know, Telecom New Zealand being under it uh, to to Spark, which mm. which is. Um, a fairly fairly major change for what has been a, a household name yeah. uh, in New Zealand ever since they you know split off from being part of the post office. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that was probably their 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 biggest change previously. Yeah. Is this going to be a hard thing for them to to navigate through? Do you think there'll be a, a lot of rewards that would will come out of it? If they get it. They do it do it right. Oh, I think you know. I think it's a, will they do it right? Um, I'm. I'm, I'm Sure, they'll do it right. And I think uh, there's, a, there's, there's naturally, people will always tend to bridle at change. And somebody makes a change and someone somewhere wants to throw some mud at it, make a comment. Uh, and uh, the fact is you can't stand still because the world keeps moving. So you have to change. And you're not necessarily going to please everybody. Not everybody is going to throw their arms in the air and go, hurrah, that's fantastic. That was the best thing ever. But if you stand still and don't try and don't have a go, such that eventually people are thinking and feeling a lot less about you because you behave nicely and you get back in your box. You'll become insignificant and eventually you'll become irrelevant and someone will come in and take over. So, yeah, shake the tree. Uh, life's too short just to um, try and behave. So, you know, good on them and good luck to them. It's an extraordinary move. Um, but when you're big, sometimes you need to make extraordinary moves to keep step with the times and redefine your role in these modern times where uh, the consumer and people, they are taking the lead. They're creatively taking the lead. They're using technology the way they want to use it in ways that um, are only limited by our own imaginations. And I guess that's where telecom now sees that's the space they're moving into. It's, it's much more, I suppose, is it organized chaos or organized randomness? <laughs> um, that's, you know, without a spark, mm. you can't have a fire. So, mm. Microsoft said, where do you want to go today? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's, and, that's, and that's the tool that will help you do it. So I, I, yeah, I think um, I'm sure they will do it well. They've got a lot of very good people uh, uh, behind that brand. And, um, and I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to cop flat. But any kind of change and anything big and significant always cops flat. But that's no reason not, not to think hard about doing it and doing it. Great, great. Now, we know our, the, the audience to the New Zealand Business Podcast is sort of fairly broad from those that are involved in founding startups, uh, you know, to CEOs of sort of larger organizations in New Zealand. Um, but, but in both, I think we'll, there'll often be situations where they're involved in establishing, if not new brands, then, uh, new products. Are there any tips that you can share on, you know, laying the right foundations for, you know, for it be a new brand as a startup or a new brand and Inside a, 
a, a, a larger corporate or a new product? Uh, are, there, are there any sort of key things that you can recommend that are important to get right f- from from the start? Yeah, uh, look, um, I think there's some extraordinarily talented uh, and very exciting startup businesses out there, and they describe what they do. Uh, uh, I'm blown away sometimes with the ingenuity um, that, that, that some people have out there in start, whether it's an existing company with many years behind it or whether it's a, a small startup. But time and time again, um, I hear people, I hear, I hear clients, I hear prospects are very, very good at, at, at describing what it is they do. And when you ask the question, but who are you? That, that that tends to that tends to people go oh, right. eyes go to the ceiling like oh all that all that uh, frothy stuff yeah. um, so um, but but if if we can understand who we are then when someone else can do what we do or what I do the key different the key uniqueness is who we are no one else can be me no one else can be you no one else can be that startup and that entrepreneur or that organisation they might copy and try to do what they do. But they can't be the same because they are not them. And they're not going to have the same story. They're not going to have the same story. So be very clear about who you are and the impact you want to have on people and people's lives and what that means for people on the other side, i.e. your users, your customers, your key stakeholders, internal and external. Uh, And and so that talks to, to values, talks about why we get out of bed every morning, the impact we want to have when we walk in the room. Uh, and from there, being very clear about that, very clear about the language that underpins that strategy for our identity, and that's a very key word, identity. Uh, so who, what is our identity and who are we? And from there, uh, you have the beginnings for an idea uh, and a story. And a lot of companies uh, that uh, are brilliant at what they do, they lack an idea. But an idea is like that. Like, like uh, somebody once described it, it's like the star that shines through the rigging that guides the ship uh, and of course it's navigation and everybody who's on that ship has that one single direction, that big idea. Uh, companies without an idea, it's, it's going to be a bit hit and miss and random and uh, conflicting energies. So, uh, and just a lot of messages, mm-hmm. but no idea to organize those messages around. So in terms of what you say, little tips, um, describe who you are, who your company is, and how it should behave, its values. And that's kind of what we help. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, the, other, the last tip would be, you know, firm, give, give us a call. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Well, and I and I recall um, one of the one of the ways in which you've described velocity in the past is as is as uh, brand midwives, and I love that uh, oh. that, that that saying. Yeah, for it's cool. Helping yeah. helping birth, birth a brand. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, well, maybe you can share some. You know, if there's a story or two that you can share where um, Velocity Creative has, uh, you know, come alongside. Um, a client and help sort of um, you know help them refresh their brand or lift their brand in the market. Are there any any stories you can you can uh, stories? You can, you can I mean, share? We, we do it all. It's kind of what we do every day, um, and 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 it's a bit like you know when you when someone says uh, so, what do you do every day? And you think, oh, Jesus, what are we doing every day? Um, uh, so a couple of couple of things would come to mind, and, and this mm. is not in any particular order order of merit or anything. But there, mm. there was a um, there was one quite tangible story. It was a company called Designer Textiles, 
few years ago, and we rebranded it as Pod. Mm. Um, and uh, the share price had been sitting at around one twenty-two for a while, and, um, and it was a fashion, a textile business, and mm. it was in, going into fashion management and completely revamped it. The long and the short of it is, in the four days following launch, the financial community, uh, the media, and the staff, the share price uh, went up to the extent that the company was worth $5 million uh, at the end of four days. Uh, and I was like, wow, that, that's pretty... And it went on probably to, uh, in, in the weeks that followed, it pushed up to it was about $8 million in, mm. in, in, mm. in capital value. So that doesn't work. It's like, at the time, it could have been like 20, 15 to 20% of the value of the company was increased because of the new story, the new look, um, and, and a look that actually compelled attention Mm, uh, mm. So that the story would be heard. That's great. So, so that was that, that was one. Um, hey, look, and there are other other instances. Um, Farmers Mutual Group, uh, now known as FMG, based mm. in Wellington, mm. delighted to to work with them. It's a, a, a terrific company, a, a great story, and, and a terrific bunch of really committed people um, to to New Zealand and and, and, and agriculture's role in the New Zealand economy. Um, and that was interesting. It's an insurance company, very different approach. Uh, but they, their whole approach to insurance and, and the role of insurance in mitigating risk, uh, it was, was their, was their platform. And through our research, uh, and really getting to understand the rural audience, uh, we realized that, uh, one of the things that we hit on was, hey, look, you can't achieve anything if you don't confront risk. And, 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 and rural audiences are taking on risk every day. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And, and achieving every day. And there must be an achievement. Times when you think, shall I? Shan't I? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it's too risky. Well, if you've got a good insurance partner like FMG to sit down and talk with you about how you can mitigate that risk and how you can therefore achieve what you want to achieve, um, then uh, I think our contribution to that company was, was through a, 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 a brand, a brand story uh, that culminated in the thought and the attitude line of let nothing stop you. Because if you've got a dream, if you've got something you want to achieve, yes, there are going to be risks that stand between you and achieving that. But don't pull back and, and say, I won't do it just because of that, because you might succeed. In fact, you're more likely to succeed if you've got a partner who, who knows what's around the corner, because they've been doing it for 100 years, and they've done it with thousands and thousands of people just like you. They really know what you're going through and what the risks are. So our, our brand, ours is a contribution to an organization like that, to encapsulate its story, its appeal, um, its mana, and how it visually presents itself and how verbally it presents itself to say, you know, we're the, we're the ones you should be with because mm. we know where you want to go and we know what stands between you and where you want to get to and we can help you get there. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like it's important that you really do get to you know closely know the brands that you're going to work with in order to be able to mm. to do that. You can't do it sort of from the from from the outside. You've yeah. got you've got to get pretty close, don't you? And the key point is FMG is is having a, a very successful uh, time. It's it's grown mm. enormously, and, mm. um, and and hats off to it. Good stuff happening there. That's great. Um, now, the world is ever becoming uh, more digital. We're doing more and more online and uh, you know, social media. Uh, yeah, there's always uh, news around what's, what's happening with, with, with these sorts of tools. Where do they play into, um, you know, into the value um, 
of modern brands how how important is it to uh, you know look after and and uh, uh, develop those the the usage of those those mediums effectively um, it's at its most basic level I, you know it's it, they're more channels and just as uh, television uh, print outdoor and so on there are lots of channels those channels have, have, have multiplied and exploded uh, really and and all the channels that ever the few that there were and and the and the, the, the many that there are now they're channels for conversations and brands are about conversations it's about dialogue so either you're doing a broadcast uh, di- uh, dialogue which is through uh, t- television driven advertising or you're having a conversation on a one-to-one level through maybe direct mail, direct marketing, or even through social channels where the conversation is live and there's chatter going all the time. So it's not just conversations that you may have with your consumers, your customers, your stakeholders, but also the conversations that the consumers and customers are having uh, whilst you're not even in the room. Well, don't step out of the room because now they've all got a room they can go to and they can talk in there and they'll talk about you. It's a good idea to be in that room because they've chosen that's where they want to have the conversation. We can't tell people where they have to have a conversation with us. That's old school. That's the 80s and 70s and 60s because that's all there was available. So we, so just you know, the world, we can't stand in isolation. The world keeps moving. Uh, brands, organizations that respect their stakeholders, who understand that it's their, their customers and the consumers that actually set the pace. Uh, keep in step, move with them because they're moving ahead of you. So we need to be in in those conversations, and that's all they are. They're conversations. Better to be in it than out of it. Absolutely, good, good. Now uh, it seems that our, you know that that the future of New Zealand and I and I guess probably every country of, of around the world um, is in. You know, closely tied to our ability to be successful in, in exporting what we have. Um, are there any sort of particular, um, you know, opportunities that excite you about uh, New Zealand's, uh, you know, potential to do uh, better from an export perspective, and and uh, you know, things that we should be should be doing to make sure our brands get uh, uh, better attention on the global stage? Uh, this is a good question because it's 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 uh, it's a live one every day, isn't it? It's uh, it's where our future lies in uh, in exporting our ideas and uh, and adding value to our to our basic uh, products. I think um, from a branding perspective point of view, uh, it's going back to that earlier question about identity and having a story and an idea. I think branding's role or role of brand thinking can play uh, in for an export business is helping to um, shrink that gap between going overseas and selling and and being a being overseas and, and marketing uh, I often find there's a bit of an extraordinary tension between those two words sales and marketing can one person be sales and marketing selling almost describes a, a set of behavioral characteristics about it which some of us are like, like pushing something, whereas, whereas marketing might come at it from the other way and saying, well, it's a more of a pull. So I guess if we could help exporters, it's really to understand their story, uh, how their story defines their organization, how their organization works, how their story will be relevant and resonate and, 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 
be sticky overseas so that the phone won't go one day and somebody says, I'm afraid we won't be using your products anymore. Instead, the phone will be, things are changing, we need to meet because you're an essential part of our business in this country. Because you're there, whether you're there physically or not, you're there because your brand is, is strong and your identity is strong and your story is strong and it becomes an expression of who you are and who you are to that, to that overseas customer versus a, a, a container load of product. Um, so I think there is this, yeah, I think there's this gap between selling and marketing and having a, having a, a suitcase full of collateral and going off to a fair and distributing out some brochures. It's kind of selling. That's not marketing. It's mm. going to be bigger and deeper and broader than that, and go to the heart of relationships. So it's a it's a big it's a big question that probably would fill a, a symposium weekend, really. Uh, for, no, that's <laughs> great. One. That's a good answer. But it still goes. That. It still goes back to the fundamental heart of you know, yeah. What's our brand? What are we that's about? Great. What drives us? What gets out of bed every day? And and because that shapes the way we do things. And it's interesting because it, it then always begs the question: Is it about kiwiness? It's probably, I'm not sure that it's about saying, uh, oh, by the way, it's because we're from New Zealand. I think our New Zealandness and our Kiwiness um, has a certain set of traits about it mm. that uh, I think overseas in larger markets, customers can find that refreshing because we, we're not just a smaller version of, of the big thing that numbers around in America. We're actually quite different. We're shinier, we're fresher. We're spunkier. We try new things, and that's attractive. We, we dare to we dare to misbehave in you know in the most sensible, responsible like like sort that. of way. Yeah. But if we behave every day as the big boys do overseas, we'll just be a smaller version of them. Mm. But we have to be different, and that goes back to who are we, and how should somebody think and feel about us? Great. Oh, that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Guy. Pleasure. Uh, and enjoyed our discussion. And, uh, yeah, all the best. Thank you, Paul. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money.